Are you keto curious? You know, there's so much conflicting information about the ketogenic diet. Is it good? Is it bad? Should it be a tool in your health toolbox? Well, let's dive in. Welcome to Holistic Health Made Simple. Are you tired of chasing fad diets and endless workouts? Frustrated and confused by the conflicting advice on health and weight loss? Well, you're not alone. I'm Jolene, a nutritional therapy practitioner, and I'm here to guide you on a different path through holistic wellness. Together, we'll blend ancestral wisdom with scientific principles, making health and weight loss a reality. Say goodbye to yo-yo dieting and hello to simple, individualized steps that will help you reach your goals. Let's explore the power of healing your gut, optimizing your metabolism, and embracing whole foods. Ready to make that personalized wellness a reality? Let's get started on your journey to real health. Hey, hey there. Today, we are going to talk about the ketogenic diet. You know, I brought it up not too long ago in the mitochondria episode and then a while back in the metabolic flexibility episode. So it's time we look at it for what it is. It's neither good nor bad, but it is a therapeutic tool that should be in our toolbox. And then we can decide if and when we use it. The hardest part is digging through or deciphering through all these passionate opinions on this ketogenic diet. For those who got off medicine and lost weight, it is the only way to heal your body. For others, it didn't work for them or they have some kind of unnatural hatred to it without ever trying it and they believe it's going to kill you. So let's take a look. The ketogenic diet is often quoted as to have solely been developed in the 1920s for children with epilepsy. That is true. It was coined in the 1920s for children with epilepsy. However, a low-carbohydrate diet has been officially documented about 100 years earlier by William Banting, and he actually used it for weight loss. He is not a medical doctor. He was actually a mortician and well-to-do in his society, but he was told about it by his physician because William Banting was severely obese and needed to lose the weight. Now, his physician told him about eating low-carbohydrate, and Banting then came up with the Banting diet. The physician learned about eating low-carbohydrate from lectures, And those lectures tied it back to helping those with diabetes manage it before exogenous insulin was even discovered. Exogenous insulin was discovered again also in the 1920s. So we know that it has been documented for at least 200 years, okay? But we also know the metabolic state of ketosis is as old as humans. So let's look at it from our body's perspective. Our bodies need a source of fuel. So there's a few different kinds that the body uses. We know of glucose, which comes from our carbohydrates. It is also um, converted from amino acids, which come from our proteins. And we're gonna look into fatty acids, which can be used as fuel, as well as ketones, which are converted fatty acids. So I'm gonna clarify this, that our body uses fatty acids two ways. It uses it directly as fuel for certain cells and converts it to ketones for fuel. And then it also can use lactate, which is used mainly in instances of high intense exercise. 
So I brought up the use of fatty acids in two ways is because people often simplify ketosis as using fat for fuel. But like I just said, we can also use fatty acids directly. Ketosis is an actual metabolic state where your liver converts the fatty acids into ketone bodies. Those ketone bodies are then used as the fuel source. The two main fuel sources are glucose and ketone bodies. The other ones are used in small amounts for different instances. So we don't really have to focus on those. So we're only going to focus on our body using the two main fuels, glucose and ketone bodies. The metabolic state can also be referenced as nutritional ketosis, meaning we are causing it nutritionally by the foods we're eating which leads some to wonder about the exogenous ketones in those popular drinks and pills that are all over the internet. These are like adding in a fuel source. While they have their benefits, they aren't being created from fatty acids. So besides being a fuel source, so now your body does not have to make ketones because you've ingested them, they do not undo what you eat from a health perspective. So your body, we want it to make its own ketones. So we want to limit what we add in exogenously. For someone who wants the therapeutic benefits of ketones for cognitive benefits, for example, exogenous ketones can be the perfect way to get that boost. They also can be beneficial while in transition to combat fatigue. Full disclosure, they are not my go-to for myself or to recommend to any of my clients. In all fairness, I thought I should disclose this. Unless there is a reason for a therapeutic level of ketones and the body just won't get there on its own, I've never suggested them outside of that context. In fact, too many people out there that sell them don't understand that they need to be paired with a low carbohydrate diet and really aren't helping anyone get healthier without it. They won't also have lasting weight loss without coupling it with a low-carbohydrate diet. This is partly my personal bias, partly science. So let's stick to how the body actually works and stuff without the added exogenous ketones. Utilizing ketones is natural for the body, contrary to what lots of influencers out there say. Most Humans produce them when they do not eat for long periods of time because they need a fuel source. Ancestrally, humans would fluctuate in and out of ketosis as food was available or not, you know, metabolic flexibility. As time progressed, humans still produced ketones in the absence of food when they slept, fasted, or pretty much as needed. Metabolic flexibility is the body's ability to fluctuate to whatever fuel source is present with ease. It fluctuates with ease. It's how the body was designed. When your body knows how to utilize the ketones efficiently, it will do just that when needed. Interestingly, you can actually produce ketones without being on a ketogenic diet. Many that fast do extreme sports or those who have achieved this elusive metabolic flexibility. They all produce ketones. So now let's answer the question, when one says I'm on a ketogenic diet, what actually does that mean? Basically, a ketogenic diet is one that has restricted carbohydrates so low, the body 
produces and utilizes ketones. It's searching for that alternative fuel. The focus is first always on macro breakdowns when you look for a definition of a ketogenic diet. Some have defined this as 20 or less carbohydrates. Oh, then we can start the arguments over net carbs or total carbs, but we won't go into that right now. Moderate protein and high fat. So that's 20 grams or less of carbohydrates, moderate protein and high fat. Then others give percentages like 5% carbs, 15 to 20% protein, and 75 to 80% fat. I find for an average person, percentages are dangerous. Even as someone who has probably tracked for 50 years, percentages are dangerous because they fluctuate with each meal. So unless you have a total number somewhere, you can get way out of whack and in the end of the day with not having enough protein, having too many carbohydrates, or maybe not eating enough in general. So be careful on how you track. I always strive to tell people to track in grams. Figure out what that 15 to 20% protein is in grams, what that 75 to 80% fat is in grams, and what your carb threshold is in grams. But honestly, you can go Google it and see all the differences there are on what your macros should be to be on a ketogenic diet. And then we can look at the foods. There are so many food lifts out there, I'd get very confused just looking at them too. The consensus is there should be no sugar, no grains, and no starches. That's the basic. When it comes down to beans, it depends on who you listen to. Some say absolutely no beans, but then they promote lupin flour, which is a bean. So I see how it gets very confusing. You've got some saying that you have to eat the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished meat, pasture-raised eggs, all organic, and you have others saying it don't matter, you just eat whatever you want as long as that carb count's right. That's why so many people don't succeed is because they're so confused about all the advice or double question everything they're doing. When it comes down to eating a ketogenic or low carbohydrate meal, first and foremost, buy the best quality you can afford, whatever fits in your budget. And your meals should be basically a low carb fiber filled vegetable, unless you're one of those who think veggies are gonna kill you, protein and healthy fats. That's what your meal consists of. Your vegetable, your protein, and then everything's drizzled with some kind of healthy fats. And to make matters worse, in the past four to five years, ketogenic products have been popping up everywhere. They used to be hard to find. Now you can find them anywhere, pretty much. Tasty treats, pasta replacements, breads, and the list goes on and on. You know, the world figured out how to capitalize on ketogenic diet, and so they're making all these processed products. And this is where things started to get a little more dicey. The wars really started from the two camps. The one that ingredients must be strictly adhered to, and the other that as long as the carb count was right, it didn't matter what the ingredients were. Before the influx of ketofied foods, everything had to be real whole foods or home-baked sweets utilizing one of four sweeteners that were keto approved. I remember that there was sugar-free candy and Atkin products, but they all contained the no-go sweeteners. So once you learned what those were, there was really nothing out there. 
And FYI, the no-go sweeteners often had a high glycemic load that was higher than sugar. So even that they had no calories, they would spike your glucose higher than sugar would. And the main focus of the ketogenic diet prior to all these processed foods was to stick to real whole foods. As you might have gathered, if you are new here, I did start my journey on a ketogenic diet full of real whole foods. And I learned a lot about foods and what it does in the body. Over the years, I've worked with hundreds of people tweaking their ketogenic diet to them to best support their bodies. There are so many opinions on what and how to eat for a ketogenic diet. But the bottom line, it solely depends on the person and their health. Some people can eat 50 to 75 grams of carbohydrates a day and stay in ketosis just fine. Others that have severe metabolic issues can't even get into ketosis with 15 to 20 grams per day. The biggest thing here is that it's nuanced for the individual. It has to be tweaked for the person. Do you need therapeutic ketone levels for the brain or other medical conditions that respond well to ketones? Are you trying to get your type 2 diabetes under control or reversed? Are you trying to lower or get off medication? Or are you just trying to lose weight and maintain it? All of these reasons coupled with your health status dictates how you should formulate your ketogenic diet. It is not a one-size-fits-all approach. Man, I must sound like a broken record when I says that, but no diet is a one-size-fits-all approach. I personally think everybody should have the ketogenic diet in their toolbox. Utilizing a ketogenic diet that includes foods that work best for your body for a minimum of three months teaches the body how to run efficiently on ketones again. Over the years, we've lost that ability. So the initial go around with with the ketogenic diet is to have it for a minimum of three months so that your body can get used to it. All these years of not tapping into a metabolic state has left us in an unhealthy place. Deciding how much you want to use a ketogenic diet for your ailments is completely up to you. Cycling in periods of ketosis is perfectly healthy. That helps you get to that elusive metabolic flexibility state. Being in a ketogenic state often helps your body heal from whatever's ailing it. Ketosis is considered a fasting mimicking diet, so you get a lot of the benefits of fasting without actually fasting. That's where all the good stuff happens, like lowering our insulin resistance, reducing inflammation, improving cognitive decline, and just overall improving nagging symptoms that affect our quality of life. Oh, and tapping into that mitochondria episode, the uncoupling of our mitochondria makes them heal and produce more. That happens in ketosis, so it's a really benefit there to improve our metabolism overall. So you decide how much you plan on using it for you, but don't rule it out. And those that say once you go into a ketogenic lifestyle that you can never leave, that's not true either. If you're following a whole foods approach, Yeah, we often stick with a lower carb diet overall, but we don't ever have to stay ketogenic forever. It's it's a falsehood to say that, but as long as we're working on constantly healing our body, eating right for our health, that's the key. That's the key to long-term success and maintenance is always eating 
what's best for our health. When someone says the ketogenic diet did not work for them, believe them. The dogmatic approach that too many push often doesn't allow for the tweaks that were needed by that person. Not having a grasp on what's going on inside your body creates havoc on the outside. Foods, even those that are healthy and are on the ketogenic list, can affect your health. For example, switching to nut flours to make treats leads you to actually eating a lot of nuts at one time. So while an ounce of nuts had absolutely no effect on you, several ounces wreak havoc on your body. So figuring out what your body needs at any point in time is difficult enough without trying to conform to a strict set of rules. So to kind of wrap this up, my suggestions for formulating a ketogenic diet for your toolbox. First and foremost, eat real food. Avoid things that you're sensitive to and listen to your body if an increase of a certain food is not helping you reach your goals or causing other issues. Your body's your best guide. And as always, if you need help with that, reach out. That's what I do. So second, find your personal carbohydrate threshold and stay under that. Eat enough protein. A minimum of one gram per pound of ideal body weight. You can go all the way up to 1.5. Some people can even go up higher depending on how active they are. But even if you're inactive, one gram per pound of ideal body weight. So stop with the don't eat too much protein, it turns to glucose. Go back and listen to my episode on protein. Protein helps with body recomposition, which gives you more muscle. More muscle helps with an increase of energy expenditure, an uptake of glucose, and a higher carb threshold. Muscle is the organ of longevity. Don't forget that. Now, you want to stay hydrated as well. Do not fear salt and keep up with your electrolytes. Ketogenic and low-carb diets require more sodium and electrolytes than someone eating the standard American diet. We basically dump salt, we dump electrolytes, and we dump water. So we need to stay hydrated. We need that sodium and electrolytes to stay hydrated. Find your threshold of what feels good. My final thoughts are the ketogenic diet is a tool that should be in your toolbox. Some will utilize it often until they can get their health dialed in and others will use it sparingly. The key is to utilize it to improve your health and strive for metabolic flexibility. It's not a magic diet that the minute you're in ketosis, you will lose a ton of weight. It doesn't work like that. Ketosis does not directly equal weight loss. It is a therapeutic diet for inner healing. And as I always say, a healthy body releases weight. A non-healthy body loses weight only to be found again. On that note, friends, I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening in today. I hope you got some nuggets to take on your health journey. Remember, this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. No medical advice is being given. By listening to this podcast, you agree to the full disclaimer, which is linked in the show notes. If you found this podcast helpful, could you take 30 seconds and leave a review? Your feedback means the world to me, and it helps others discover my show. Once again, thank you for being part of my community. Until next time, have a blessed day.